Hello, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the OBR Weekly. I am your host, Michael Keefe, from the Garage Beers Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me, uh, I'm filling in for Barry McBride. Barry is, I think, sleeping at this point uh, or uh, getting ready to board a plane or something like that. But, you know, we, we know you miss Barry, but I'll do my best filling in for him. Uh, the guy you're really here to see uh, over on the other side of the screen, find him on Twitter at Fred Greetham 9 It's Fred Greetham. Fred, what's going on? Hey, Mike. Good to be with you. Yeah, not a whole lot. Just uh, chilling here, you know, waiting for something to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just desperately waiting for something, anything to happen. That's it, It's kind of funny because we're we're in a weird spot, right, Fred? Like, uh, there was there was obviously all of the commotion. It was a two-week-long, essentially, commotion uh, once the Browns made the deal for Deshaun Watson. And everything else just kind of went by the wayside. And now we're kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to make, uh, you know, conversation of, of the, the other stuff surrounding Watson. But now we're kind of back in this position of, okay, <laughs> now what? The draft is in less than a month. Uh, there's, there's still plenty of items, uh, to cross off the agenda for the Browns. And so that's, that's the goal of tonight's show. The goal of tonight's show is let's get kind of back to business. Uh, we we've done the quarterback thing and we've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And it's kind of nice, Fred. It's kind of nice to kind of get back to business, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's kind of obviously with the draft, you know, coming, coming into view and we're now we're in the month of the draft and we're within about three weeks you know obviously it takes the starch out not having a first round pick because that's where all the you know all the attention's drawn they did make noise last year with JOK in the second round so that's that's really it's it's hard for me to believe they would give up enough to get back into the first round um so I think you know, most of it's the, the main attraction is going to be the second round. Once let's be honest, once you get past second round, the average fans not going to know who anybody, you know, picked is unless it's somebody that was a bigger name that, that something major drop negative on them. So, you know, we got to get into the weeds a little bit and, <laughs> and unearth some names. And I had to do that this week. I did a, kind of a who might be available at the edge position. I mean, we're looking at the biggest need the Browns have is on the defensive line, edge and interior. Most logical is the edge. And the big unknowns, Jadavian Clowney sitting out there. He didn't sign last year with the Browns till the 14th of April, I, I remind everybody. So I would expect him to make a decision before the draft, but you know, so those are the unknowns right now. You know, your your starters on defensive end are probably Miles Garrett and Chase Winovich, and then you got Curtis Weaver. That's it. You only got three on the roster under contract right now. So we know Andrew Barry's going to start back filling these positions, but that's where they're at right now. Yeah, and so I, I was going to talk to you about that a little bit, and we can start with the edge and and. and... This has been Edge Week a little bit uh, with with the OBR, and, and a lot of the shows have kind of focused on Edge. But you brought up Chase Winovich because they made the move for him. It was it was kind of a surprising move, uh, the Mac Wilson Chase Winovich deal. Uh, but obviously, as of right now, it's a very thin room uh, on the defensive end at the edge positions. Obviously, you've got one of the greatest in the game in Miles Garrett. 
from from your position and and the people that you're talking to, what's the sense that you get? What's the faith that they have in a guy like Chase Winovich? I, I feel like a lot of us are talking about Winovich like rotation guy, uh, maybe the third edge, the guy that comes off the bench, uh, just uh, per se. But is is there? Do you feel like they have any? Is there somebody in that building that thinks more of Winovich than that? Are we are we not talking about this guy enough? I don't know. I haven't I haven't specifically talked about him or know enough about him. I almost feel like it was a swap of two guys that needed a change of scenery. I don't think he was in favor, you know, up there with the Patriots in the in recent year. And uh, Mac Wilson was kind of the same thing. So this is kind of a fresh start for both of them. I think that yeah, I definitely think that the guys that were on the roster behind um, Garrett Clowney and McKinley last year before he got hurt, the the Joe Jacksons and the Porter Gustins, I think that Winovich is ahead of them. And if they were to bring back some of those guys, he would be playing ahead of them. But I I think that they they think he can rush the passer and. I don't think they were counting on him to be the answer, you know, to replace Clowney or, you know, even McKinley. So I think he, I think he's going to get a fresh start here. And I think that they feel that he can, that he can be in the rotation, but until I see more on the field, that's, that's kind of what, what I've gathered in the people I've talked to. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I, I was thinking about it and thinking about it and he's, he's been a guy that, had been productive. He did not have a great year last year, but two years ago, he had a really nice year uh, with the Patriots. Uh, he's a, a big time motor guy. And uh, it just, I, you know, I, I was kind of wondering, I, I felt like that deal happened. Everybody went, oh, okay. Like that's a guy that's made some plays. We feel okay with that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder in that building, if they're not thinking, okay, Chase Winovich and Miles Garrett, we add some depth and we're good to go. So yeah, I was I was interested to see if you had heard anything like that in the building, but it doesn't sound like it. Well, I think that they do. Um, I think they had bigger hopes for Porter Gustin. You know, he really came on the scene the year Olivier Vernon was was the starter and had a tremendous training camp. He was all Berea, but you know, beyond that, he didn't really, you know materialized that year. And then last year even kind of seemed to drop down a bit. So I think that, I think Winovich with a straight, with a fresh start, he could, you know, he could be one of those guys you can just see he's got an attitude. He's got the long flowing hair. He could really be a fan favorite, you know, and he was appealing to the fans about picking his number. And, and so I think he's going to be revitalized, you know, coming here and maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe he will be, you know, a long-term answer, but I'm just, I just think that they have to feel that they have to get more at that position. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you look at the options right now in free agency, particularly they're very rare. I mean, there's guys, you know, that I don't have on the list that obviously are, are not considered, you know, top a hundred prospects as free agents or whatever, but they're all older. They're most, I have six, including Clowney's obviously the big one. I have to think they have to have some type of an agreement with him or his agent that, okay, do what you're going to do. 
shop around, see if you can get a better thing deal or whatever. But ultimately he's, he's the second youngest one of the top six I ever made. And he's 29. Right. Flowers is the only one younger and he's 28. The rest of them are Jerry Hughes, 33, Justin Houston, 33, Melvin Ingram, 33. And, or one's 32 and Jason Pierre Paul, 33. So they're, they're all one year type contract guys, maybe flowers you'd look at as a two year, but um, I have to think that they have to feel that they're not just going into the draft blindside that we have no options. Right. Um, So, I mean, Andrew Berry has been able to fill in, you know, with guys last year, I think he got Malik Jackson, a couple of these guys before the draft. And I would expect that because from the player's side, if they're not signed, those those re- positions get get dried up when you draft a guy to come in. Say you draft an edge in the first or second round if you're and so these veteran guys wanna get a roster, you know, spot before they right. you know, they're non committal, cost them a spot because the draft. So I have to think that they're going to have some motion movement on the defensive line, at least another defensive lineman interior, as well as edge guy. Hey, listen, I'm here with the pro Fred Greetham. It shows you what an amateur I am. I was so excited to get into talking all this stuff with you, Fred, that I forgot to tell people. First of all, if you're joining us live here tonight, you want to get in on the comments. You want to ask Fred a question. You want to make your opinion known, join the conversation, get in on the comments, Join the conversation. We will be pulling comments all throughout the show. We'll be pulling your questions all throughout the show. Uh, so don't miss that. And also, if you haven't hit the subscribe button on our Twitch channel, please do that. Just like our buddy, our longtime buddy, Mr. Katapka, just subscribed for nine months in a row. We love seeing that. Uh, subscribe to the Twitch channel. We've got all kinds of great shows uh, pretty much every day of the week. Uh, we've got something great going on. Uh, and so you want to be subscribed to the Twitch channel. And if you want to read a lot of what guys like Fred, the great stuff that they're putting on the OBR's website, get over to the OBR's website and make sure you subscribe there as well. There's a lot of stuff in the VIP sections uh, that are, uh, frankly, I just find myself waking up in the morning and just checking to see what's new in there. Uh, and and it's a good, it's always a good start to the morning. So get over there and make sure you are uh, – Make sure you are joined up, and uh, we appreciate you, Mr. Katopka, for nine months in a row. Fred, now that I got that out of the way, now that I'm actually doing hosting duties, uh, I said we'd get to comments with questions. We're going to switch over, uh, and we're going to kind of just make it a defensive line conversation in total, so we can go back and forth from edge to interior defensive line and all that. There's another new face, another very short, uh, 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 not very full room right now, the interior defensive line. Uh, there's only three guys in that room, just like there's only three guys in the edge room. Tommy Togiai, uh, Jordan Elliott, guys that are holdovers from last year. And then they brought in Taven Bryan, who was a Jacksonville Jaguar. Uh, and we've got a, co- a question in the comments uh, from Dr. Nico or Dr. N1Co or whatever that says. Uh, but any chance they are counting Taven Bryan to be a bigger contributor than most of us believe? It's a very similar question to what I asked with uh, Winovich. What are you hearing about Taven Bryan? Well, you know, former first round pick, Andrew Barry, we've seen in the short time he's been here, and this is his third year, third off season. He likes those guys 
that are coming out of their first contract that maybe underperformed or hadn't lived up to their original billing that he they're they're young enough that you can maybe catch lightning in the bottle. That's what they had in mind with Tack McKinley last year. And I think he really would have been looked at as maybe the heir to take over for Clowney um, if they couldn't have brought Clowney back. Because I do think they like they liked him enough to to sign him long term. Year before, a guy like Carl Joseph, he was a first round pick of the Raiders. Um, brought him in on a one year deal. Um, so with that said, I think those are the type that Barry's hoping for. Andrew Billings, they signed him before the COVID year, thinking he could be maybe the yeah. long-term answer. Then he opted out and then he ballooned up and he was never, you know, I don't think the same player that, that they thought they were getting last year. And that's where McDowell came out of nowhere. So I do think they're, they're hoping with Brian, again, a fresh start. Okay. You had the talent. You were picked in the first round. Come in here, start fresh, show us what we can do. Um, I think also Jordan Elliott's coming into his third year. I think they're kind of thinking this is the time, like Nick Harris, time for you. Yeah. We're opening the door. Step up and show what you can do. And Tommy Togiai is in his second year, and so I, I could see him with the same path as Elliot, his second year show a little more, and then maybe you can work up into a role. One of our writers wrote, can't remember exactly who we got so many of them that are good. About, <laughs> um, is the interior line just not that big of a deal or priority? Well, you can see since Barry's been here, they used a third round pick on the interior and a fourth round. Those are really the only two draft picks they've used on interior. They signed Billings and that, and he was like, I think a one year deal that rolled over cause he opted out. And then Jackson Malik last year was a one year deal. So they haven't really put a lot of effort into finding a long-term answer. I think with Brian, they're, they're going to give him an opportunity to definitely be in the rotation, but maybe he can resurrect his career and be the long-term answer again, because he's like, I think 25, 26 right. years old. Um, and I expect him then maybe to add at least one veteran defensive tackle kind of along the Malik Jackson, you know, that line, I think Jackson's, I doubt if he'd come back because I think his knees in bad shape. He didn't yeah. practice all last year. He just played in the games and he was serviceable. So that's what it seems like they want to do um, is get a, you know, one year stopgap guys and hope, hope some of these young guys can step up and do it. So I think Brian's going to have every opportunity. I personally don't know enough about him to know, you know, if he did anything, you know, in Jacksonville um, or exactly, he's not getting a big contract. So it's kind of like low risk, high reward situation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so you hit on something, and then we got a question that was at the same time you were hitting on it. So first of all, thanks, Dr. Nico, for the good question about Taven Bryan. Uh, we're going to go to this question we got from Scottsdale, Arizona, Scottsdale AZ, Browns dude. Uh, sorry about the tough winter you just went through out there in Scottsdale. Uh, Fred, why don't teams try to build around uh, dominant front fours anymore? They seem to be okay with good edge players and then just finding guys in the middle. And that has seemed to be kind of the, the modus operandi of the Browns as well. Uh, just finding guys to fit in the middle and going after good edge players. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it just seems like, yeah, that's where the money goes is the edge guys. And, you know, Malik McDowell, Malik Jackson, both had average or below average years. And yet the Browns, I think, finished. I don't have it right in front of me, but I thought they finished in the middle of the pack, you know, in the rush defense. Um I got it somewhere. I'll get it for the shows out. But as far as, and you really didn't have what I would consider run stoppers. So yeah, it's a passing league. I feel like they think if they're adequate enough, you know, in the middle and, and I'm not going to say low, low priority, but you can see they're not prioritizing it. So I don't know something in their analytics is saying that if you can shut down and get a pass rush, and have good cornerbacks and, and secondary that you can, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. So, you know, I think the other thing, I think the other thing Fred is, uh, and, and we're not used to this in Cleveland, but we've talked a little bit about it on our show too. Uh, when you build a good team and you have a lot of good players, you have to pick and choose your mm-hmm. places where you're going to spend a bunch of money. And then in the other pla- in the other places, you got to find value. And I think I think what we're seeing with the Browns, and I think we're seeing it a lot around the league. Uh, and, and Scottsdale AZ Browns dude brings it up. A lot of people are focused on spending money at certain positions, edge, corner. Uh, you know, just just certain positions around the league. Wide receivers this year are just getting monstrous deals. Uh, uh, and and then you see those interior defensive linemen. I feel like a lot of teams feel like. And I think you're seeing it with the Browns uh, that you can go get guys on one-year deals that can be productive and good, uh, but you you can't load up every position with guys that you're going to be paying max contracts to. That's it's it's not the way the salary cap's going to work. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and I think that 
you're exactly right. The premium positions get the money. And as you can see, the interior guys, you know, you're not seeing the mega deals. I think Aaron Donald, you know, would be the exception. There's there's yeah. always exceptions. But he's the exception to as, everything. <laughs> he's yeah. the exception to all the rules. But you know, guys like Calais Campbell and Akeem Hicks, and they just Sheldon Richardson, they just seem to bounce around year to year, one year deals. And and I think that that's what the Browns think they can do. You don't see the long-term deals there. You don't see the big monies there. And so all the way around, I, th- I, I can't really, you always talk about being a run stopping. You want to stop the run before, you know, and that helps you, you know, if you can stop the run, then, then your defense is set up, you know, to be successful. Browns finished, like I was saying, 16th in the NFL. So right in the middle yeah. of it. And they didn't really have that great interior guys. So, um, so if you go out and get top of the line interior guys, do you move up, you know, into the top 10 stopping the run? I don't know if that helps you overall in, in defense. I think what you're trying to do is, is keep, well, actually, yeah, they are sixth overall. So right. if you shut down on the passing game, you know, that kind of balances itself out. But I think the most important thing is points allowed. And uh, that's what they seem to be striving for. So I would like them to, you know, add a little bit. I mean, it just makes sense that you have guys that can stop the run. And I think they will. I think they'll at least get one here before the draft. And maybe they think higher of Brian than, than we do. Um, you just didn't see him highly you know, ranked in the free agency when it came out. So, and thanks for listening, Scottsdale. I, two of my three kids were born Scottsdale. I, I coached out there football, basketball, and baseball and uh, in the eighties. So good memories out there. <laughs> yeah. You, I'm sure you don't miss those winters that I was joking oh, about out there. You know, Scott, we would have yeah. never moved back here. If it weren't for the opportunity to come back with the Browns and, yeah. and, uh, this was home. You got to love that. That's what brings you back to Cleveland. It's always home. Hey, a couple thank yous. First of all, Niles Dog, thank you for following the OBR here. Uh, Eminem Sports hosted the stream for four viewers. Love that, Eminem Sports. Bring them in. We love you for that. Uh, and let's see, rated the channel with six viewers. Uh, the OBR5 growl. I don't know what that whole thing says, but Eminem Sports, you're killing it. So we appreciate you for that. Uh, Listen, we're, we're still talking interior defensive line. We're starting to get some questions on wide receiver. We're going to scooch over to wide receiver in a little bit. Uh, but you've done some some work, and you you wrote your article on edges and defensive linemen, Fred. So we had a question from our buddy Paul Spencer. Uh, you brought up Calais Campbell. So when it comes to the guys that are still available, and when you look at the list of guys that are still available, there's a lot of those guys that are just kind of anticipated to be one, maybe if they're lucky, a two-year deal, type of players that just this is kind of what happens every year you brought it up with Clowney Uh, a lot of those guys just kind of stay on the market Clowney didn't get signed until the second week of April last year Uh, they stay on the market until the draft is pretty much there Uh, so what do you think of a guy like Calais Campbell for the Browns do you think there's any chance of them getting him or, or who else are you thinking would be a better fit maybe on the interior defensive line 
Well, I'm going to probably do that next, go kind of a deep dive more into who's still available and as well as veterans, as well as who might be there at 44 or 78 or one of the Browns draft picks. But off the top of my head, Campbell, I mean, the only negative to him is he's 36. But when I watched him play against the Browns last year, he sure looked, you know, he didn't look like a 35-year-old. And and um, if the Browns feel that, they don't have a better option. I think he's one of the best players out there. I mean, he can block, he blocked field goals. He, he's six, eight and uh, he doesn't play like he's 36. I like Akeem Hicks maybe a little better because I think he's 32. And uh, you know, and I think he's, I've, he's got a little bit of uh, a little bit more time on his side. I like to see more than a one and done guy. Um, but those two guys to me are at the top of the list, Campbell Hicks. There is four or five of them out there. I think yeah. I'd have to look at the list there, but as far as I, I kind of trust Andrew Barry, they know who's out there. Most of these guys at this, they, they don't even have off season program until just before the draft. And I think a lot of these guys know what the offers are made and they're just kind of waiting because it doesn't, I don't think these guys are worried about not, you know, getting a, an invite or a contract. Sheldon Richardson wouldn't be bad to bring back. Larry Ogunjobi. I don't know what happened with failing that physical. He signed right. that big deal with the Bears three years, 40 million, I think, and then failed the physical. So it seemed like it'd be, and I haven't heard much since. So, you know, I, I'd be happy with Ogunjobi. I was sorry to see him go to begin with. Um, had a pretty good year, I thought, with the Bengals last year, or Sheldon Richardson. You know, last year, Sheldon Richardson, I was told, was offered more money to come back to the Browns than what he ended up taking to go to Minnesota. Sometimes it's pride. They don't want to come back. Now that he's a year removed, yeah. maybe things will change. I don't know. But um, there's three or four, five, six of those guys out there in the interior. I think I think they'll be in the hunt. Um, there's probably guys that aren't the bigger names as well. Like Malik Jackson last year was kind of under the radar when they signed him. And like, oh, I didn't even know he was unsigned, you know? So we'll see what they do here, but I do expect a move or two before the draft because you just don't want to be completely bare covered when you go to the draft because then it kind of tips off totally what you're doing. Well, it's interesting because all the names available on the interior defensive line are guys that, we should all be pretty familiar with, right? We 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 see Calais Campbell a couple times every year, and every time he plays us, he dominates the Browns every single time. Uh, if you if your jaw didn't hit the floor watching Akeem Hicks go up against uh, Wyatt Teller in that Bears game last year, Akeem Hicks was a monster. Everything Wyatt Teller could handle, and there were times he couldn't handle it. Uh, and that's one of the best interior offensive linemen in the game of football. And Akeem Hicks was unbelievable in that game. Uh, and so I think either one of those guys would have Browns fans salivating. And then you're talking about a couple former Browns there. Uh, the interesting thing for me and the thing that I'm really, I'm watching to see what they find to be critical in that position, Fred, you brought up a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, who has proven, especially last year, what do you have, eight sacks? Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half sacks. He's proven to be a pretty capable pass rusher from the interior. 
but he doesn't grade super well in the run game, uh, eating up blocks, things like that. He's not the biggest guy. And so Dr. Nico brings us another question. Uh, do we need, do we need a, like more of a nose tackle? Do we need a run stuffer? And is there a run stuffer out there? Because again, some of these guys that we're talking about, like I think Akeem Hicks is good in the run game. He's good in the pass game. Ogan Joby, pretty good in the pass game, not so great in the run game. What what's your preference there? Do you want do you want him to find somebody that can just eat up some blocks on the middle of that that uh, defensive line, even if it means you're not getting sack numbers per se? Yeah, I mean, you look at the last two years in Joe Woods' defense. The interior guys have been Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell. Neither of them was really a run stopper. I mean, they were all right at it, but they weren't that great, as I just pointed out with the stats. Year before, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, they let them both go. Um, I, I I don't think that's the style they necessarily, you know, want. I think it's funneling and letting the linebackers go get them. They want the athletic linebackers, and, and that's where JOK, Jacob Phillips, and now Anthony Walker come into play. But, you know, if I had my druthers, yeah, I like a guy who can just clog up the middle, take yeah. two blockers, and – and uh, let let him go go get the quarterback. So um, it is strange. You talk about a guy like Hicks who just eats people up. Campbell eats people up, and yet even the teams they were on are eager or not eager. They let him go. They you know just don't seem. The Bears were willing to to go spend forty million on Ogan Joby. You know, right. and uh, so. It depends. You get a new system. Obviously, you got a new coach there, so a new system. So they, they have a different way they look at it. Brown's current regime just doesn't seem like the interior defensive line is at the top of their list. Um, and they feel that, you know, the, the Jordan Elliott's and the Tommy Togi eyes can be developed. And and uh, I think the closest that they had was um, Andrew Billings, that they talked about him being a run stopper. That was his forte. And I just think he he put on too much weight. I mean, when in that year he took off, I saw video of him playing with the Bengals. When he showed up to camp last year, yeah. I swear, in minicamp, I'm talking like before it's mandated, I, I thought he was 400 pounds. I mean, he was huge. Now, he did lose quite a bit of weight by training camp, but still he looked too big. And uh, I think he just wasn't quick enough. And you can see they didn't play him at all. He was inactive and then they let him go. So um, that to me was the closest run stopping guy they've really brought in since Barry's been running the show. Yeah. I think it's interesting because they, the guys that are even your star miles Garrett is not, He's not known for his, he's freakishly athletic and fast to the point where he can make plays in the run game, right? However, his main job is go get the quarterback. And so you see with Miles Garrett a lot, a little bit of getting uh, down up the field way, way too far. And a lot of run gaps form on his side of the field. It's what I loved about Clowney. And I think Garrett was learning from Clowney a little bit. Clowney is really good uh, in the run game. He was your best run stopping defensive lineman. Uh, well, last year was Jadavion Clowney. Uh, so it would be good to see him back. Uh, yeah, that that's what I was going to say. I, 
I hope they know something we don't. I think Clown is just being clowny. I mean, this is what he does. I mean, four years in a row, he's been a one-year deal. You know, I don't – he's got to know what his market is. Um, but maybe, you know, like I said, the the draft could be an ally of the Browns because Daniel Jeremiah had 20 edge rushers listed among his top players in the draft. Yeah. And I would think you wouldn't want to lose any, you know, of your possibilities b- before the draft. You'd like to at least, if you don't want to come to Cleveland, then then take somebody and get it done. But I have to think the Browns are, are in the mix there. I have to think that they're offering him as much or more than anybody else because they know what he can do for exactly what you said is that, he really helped the run game. Yeah. And I think he can play inside in a pinch too. You know, if, if they, he was versatile enough to play inside and outside. And, um, you know, if you can get him in the fold, then you could still draft an edge rusher with the second round or, or third round, but they don't have to come in immediately and start. You know, you have, you have a proven bookend defensive end. So if we go back to your article real quick, and again, I have to encourage everybody watching this, go check out the article uh, that Fred wrote for the OBR, uh, talk, breaking down a bunch of the free agent edge rushers. Uh, is is Jadavion Clowney, your, in your opinion, is he the preference? See the guy you want back above all else? Or are there other guys that you looked into that you researched that you think, you know what, I really like this guy? Or, or, or let's just say this. Is Clowney your 1A? And and if he goes somewhere else, which of the guys that you research do you feel like, okay, if Clowney doesn't come back here, I want that guy? Well, it's a good question. I mean, my I think Clowney, if they can get him at a two-year deal and bring him back, he would be my first choice because he can rush the passer. He showed he, can get, he got nine sacks. And, and like you said, he stopped the run. He knows the system. He's plug and play. The other school thought, in my opinion, would be, okay, if Clowney, you know, can't make a decision or or, or he chooses to go elsewhere, maybe you can get a two-for-one. I'd be happy with Jerry Hughes, you know, even though he's 33, sure. to bring him in on a one-year deal. And, and then if you could get Houston or Ingram or Flowers, any of those guys – you could get two of them maybe on one-year deals for the same money you were going to give to Clowney. Because Clowney, you know, it's been reported two years, $24 million. You know, that's $12 million a year average for the guy. You could you could definitely get two of those guys. Because I think you need at least three. I'm not counting Winovich as a premier defensive end rusher right now. Maybe, maybe he will prove me wrong. But I would like – you don't have McKinley. So – you had that luxury last year with Garrett McKinley and Clowney because one of them was always injured or out or COVID or something last year. You want to have at least two ready for the game. And so that's where if you can get Clowney, then I would, I would probably prefer to draft a guy in the second round, you know, or trade up in the second round and see, you know, if one of those 20 guys slips or something like that, that you think is the guy. That would be my preference. Two-year deal with Clowney, draft a guy as high as you can that that can be the future. If not, you know, get two of those older 
one-year wonder guys like Jerry Hughes, Melvin Ingram, or Jerry Hughes, uh, Trey Flowers, or I don't know about Jason Pierre-Paul, but somebody like that, Justin Houston. Um, you know, then you got the numbers. You got two guys that can come in in the rotation with Garrett, you know, and you can spell them. Kind of like Adrian Claiborne, you know, yes. he was pretty effective, yes. you know, when he was fresh. He got into – he was a little older, but he had some burst. I think he. I think when he wore down towards the end of the year, and if you could have two of them older guys on one-year deal, they could keep each other fresh and rotate and maybe still bring in a young guy. Love it. Well, the, the defensive line, again, plenty of work to be done there. Obviously, you're not going to go into anything with three interior defensive linemen and three edge rushers on, on, the, on the roster. So there are players that are going to get added there. I'm sure some will come through the draft, but obviously things are not done in free agency and there's a lot of good players out there. I want to switch over real quick uh, because the other area that we're just keep talking about, because it's an area that is still thin at this point, is the wide receiver room. And we are getting questions uh, about the wide receiver room. Before we get to that, uh, I do want to shout out uh, Crash Override 330. Just subscribe for seven months in a row. What's going on, Crash? Thank you for that, my man. We appreciate our woman, man or woman, I should say. Oh, we appreciate that. Uh uh, we did get a question. I, I'm interested to hear your answer to this. So Niles dog uh, just followed the OBR. And this isn't a question about anybody specifically, but this is an opinion Niles dog has. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. Said Fred, our wide receivers don't seem to grow and improve over the course of the year. Should we be worried about our wide receiver position coach? Do you notice that Fred? Well, you know, most of the development to me is over the off season. seems like once you get into a season, they spend the time just prepping the guys to get ready for the game each week. Um, Anthony Schwartz last year did not show much improvement to me. I think a lot of it was he pulled a hamstring in the spring. It nagged into training camp, got behind. And sometimes when you get behind, you never catch up. They did get him ready in the first game against the Chiefs. He came out of nowhere and was a big part of it. And then he kind of disappeared. I think he had five catches in the first game, three for most of the rest of the year. He had a, besides the the hamstring, he had a concussion, kept him out three or four weeks. Um, and then very at the very tail end of the year, he had a, he had a touchdown catch and, in I think the season finale, but um, I never saw that breakout breakaway speed that, that I was expecting to see. Um, he doesn't have that juking for two speed, like a Tariq Hill. He look. I mean, I, he's a sprinter and obviously he can flat out run, but they kept trying to run him on those jet sweeps and stuff. And he just didn't have the, the move to get to make that first guy miss he kept getting drugged down, you know, on for a very short gain. So, yeah, I didn't see a, a big – they need to see a big jump in him from the offseason. Now, Donovan Peoples-Jones, for a six-round pick, I thought he did pretty well as a rookie. I thought he made a big jump last year. He still had some inconsistencies. But I expect him to even, you know, take a bigger jump this year. I think he can be the number two receiver, 
depending on if they add another veteran or not. If they don't, I think he definitely would be opposite Amari Cooper. But if they could get a, a true number two, I think he would be great in the third role, in that third receiver role. Um, Chad O'Shea, who's the receivers coach, you know, has, has been lauded for having developed a lot of receivers with the Patriots and the Dolphins, I think. And I've heard nothing but good things about him. Um, I think a lot of it is just the individuals. Um, So it's hard to gauge a guy in a rookie year. And that's why there's not too many Jamar Chases that come in immediately take the league by storm. That's why I almost, when the Browns did have the 13th pick, that, that held me back a little bit about getting a number one wide receiver or trying to at number 13 is because you needed a guy immediately this year to step in. And by trading for Cooper, you took that, you took, you filled that need. So that's where I'm okay with 44 going and getting one of them receivers if they're there, because they don't have to be the number one guy. And obviously at 44 now, that's not a number one guy position, maybe future, but yeah, I think that there's always room for improvement. I think last year the Browns made a big mistake overvalu- overvaluing Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, thinking those two were going to come in and be the tandem they were or in their primes two, three years earlier because obviously Beckham was hurt and and we know what happened with him, but Landry – was was also more like a third receiver, not a one or two. And so um, that forced guys like Peoples-Jones and Schwartz to play more, and they just didn't have, you know, the overall depth, you know, to to handle that. So I think Cooper was a great start. Jakeem Grant, I think they got him as a returner, but I, I would be surprised if they didn't sell him on the idea of being that, um, Tyreek Hill in the offense being that jet sweep guy that you tried to see with Schwartz last year because um, he hasn't caught a lot of passes, but on those shovel passes and end arounds and jet sweeps, he's got burner speed too. And I think he's got a little bit more, he's got a returner move. And I, and I think that's really what they wanted to do originally with Jojo Natson. I've said this before on here. I watched, in the COVID training camp, I was able to watch practice every day. And they ran with the first team almost every day doing mm. those jet sweeps and stuff. And he, he tore his ACL on a return in the third game of the year. Yep. But in the third game, he ran a jet sweep, didn't get a big gain. But I think he was – they had in mind bigger role for him in the offense. And I think that's what they have in mind for Grant as well. I don't know how much he'll be in – as a wide receiver outside, but they do need to get some of these young guys to step up Schwartz and people's Jones. You know, I really think, you know, will this year have a bigger role and, and will be more developed, but I think that's where this off season, they're really going to try to get them ready. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing that, that keeps kind of coming back and, and Niles dog here just enjoyed being answered. Uh, so Yeah. If you're watching us on the OBR Weekly and you want to get in, we're here. 
We're bringing you in. You just got to deal with Paul Spencer. He's kind of our resident wise ass and you got to deal with him in the comments. But other <laughs> than that, you'll have a good time. Uh, it, it's as far as the wide receiver thing goes. Uh, and we talked to, and I'm going to give myself a shameless plug here. We recorded yesterday. Uh, we went live with Cecil Shorts, the third former NFL wide receiver, Houston Texans ambassador. Now we talked to him a lot about Deshaun Watson, but we also talked about the wide receiver room. Uh, he was much higher than I think anybody anticipated uh, on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, Cecil Shorts is very high on Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, anticipates a a big jump from him in his uh, third season. Uh, obviously, he loves Amari Cooper, but he talked about there's a need for a third guy, and he doesn't see it on the roster now. So we've heard the names, Fred. I, I think I think, I think think Odell Beckham can probably get thrown out. I think I don't know that Jarvis Landry can get thrown out. I think that's just going to, until he signs somewhere else, I think that is always going to be a conversation that happens. Is Jarvis Landry going to come back, but out there still kind of available. Are there any other wide receivers that you know of that are available that you think, man, that that guy would just be a great fit in this system right now. I don't know. Great fit. That's the coaches try to figure it out. Um, we had heard some a little bit and Brad, you know, wrote a story on it the other day, Brandon cooks, the Browns have, have looked into him. I think that, that he could be uh, a guy that, that could, he's got some familiarity with Watson as does Will Fuller. He's a free agent cooks um, would have to come in a trade. I don't know if I'm willing to give up a second round, Um I like Will Fuller from the aspect because of his, I remember what he did with, you know, opposite Hopkins with Watson. He would, he burned the Browns on the deep ball. It seems like he likes to just run the deep ball. His biggest problem has been staying on the field. He only played like two games last year, but if you can get him on a one-year deal, kind of a prove it deal, you know, he might be the best free agent still out there, but if you can get a guy like a Cooks, maybe on the draft day, they're asking for a second round. If they'll lower their demand to a third or lower, I mean, you got Amari Cooper for a fifth round. Right, I know you took right. on his salary, but I think you could get Cooks. You know, <laughs> if they really want to move on and start over, I think you could get him for even a lower pick, taking on his salary or whatever there. So I like the idea of trades because you got them. You don't have to leverage. Um, there's not too much in free agency. Like I said, Will Fuller, I think. I think there's a Robbie Anderson that might be a June 1st cut, you know, has a bigger salary. Um, but Brandon Cooks to me right now in a trade or, you know, Will Fuller to me would be both of them have experience with Watson. I think he's comfort, comfortable with them. Well, and I think I think Paul Spencer uh, brings up a good point here in the comments I think they could get a fantastic wide receiver at 44. Listen, we spent so much time, so much time talking about who they're going to take at 13 before the Deshaun Watson thing happened. And we're talking about guys like Traylon Burks and Jameson Williams and the Ohio State boys, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London. Those guys, those guys are all going to be gone by 44. Well gone, way before 44. So now we're talking about this second group of wide receivers that are going to be available. Again, we're t- we've talked about guys that they could e- either potentially get in, in trades or in free agency, but 
you're also talking about some really good wide receivers that are going to be available uh, potentially at 44. Guys like George Pickens from Georgia. My personal favorite, if Jahan Dotson is there at 44, that guy is an ultimate playmaker from Penn State. I would love to see him. Uh, uh, what Sky Moore from from uh, Western Michigan. There's going to be a lot. It's kind of like what you talked about at the edge position. Uh, uh, that there were 20, you know, 20 edge players in the in the top rankings. Uh, I think there's a lot of wide receivers that that are probably in those top rankings as well. And so I I do think even though the Browns lost a, a high draft pick, it trading for Deshaun Watson. I think there's going to be options for them, whether they decide to go defensive line, whether they decide to go wide receiver at that 44th pick. Yeah, and and I think that's, again, if you could get Clowney done, that takes at least the edge off and the sense of urgency to have to get an edge because you don't want to come out going to the draft without, you know, at least on paper, a starter, unless it's Winovich is the only guy you got. They might think higher of Curtis Weaver, but they didn't play him last year. So, yeah, I, I would like to get Clown. Then you can absolutely get the best player, whether he's a wide receiver or a defensive edge, and and you could have some options. You remember last year, everybody wanted to get – talked about JOK and maybe the, with that 26 pick, they ended up – he fell, and they traded up from 59 to 52 and got him. I see, you know, they're at 44. I see Barry trying to load up and maybe move up to get a guy specifically, whether it's an edge or a wide receiver. If they could go up a few spots, maybe not all the way the first round, but to make sure they get one of those guys like you're talking about, Christian Watson. Um, there's a lot of good wide receivers. I think it's interesting. Brad reported today that Traylon Burks is coming in Friday for a visit. Well, you know, why would you do that unless you think you got a shot at him? You know, right? I don't I don't understand that. So, obviously unless you, unless he had you the 13th you're... pick. So, as far as they're they're going to use one of their spots on him and uh, you know, maybe maybe they think that they could move up and get a guy like that. I don't know, but as far as at 44, yeah, I think there's going to be a good edge rusher. I think there's going to be a good wide receiver. And whoever is the highest they have rated, and it would come into play. If they can't get a, a one of these guys like I was talking about, Will Fuller or trade for Cooks, then maybe wide receiver is, is more urgent if they sign Clowney. But if they don't sign Clowney, then 44 – you might have to do an edge rusher. But I think Andrew Barry is going to try to use some of those lower picks and move up a few spots to get somebody he really wants. You know, I'm, I, you know, you brought something up there, and a lot of these comments have brought something up that I haven't really thought about, Fred, which is that we talk, it was talked about ad nauseum in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was billed as the team that built through free agency and, and, and not just kind of foregoing the draft in the Rams versus a team that built their way up in the draft. Uh, in the Bengals. And I'm wondering if what they did with Deshaun Watson isn't just going to kind of earth-shatteringly change the way the Browns approach something like the draft. When you say they have a guy like Burks in for a visit, that suggests to anybody that's watching that uh, anything is possible. Because Burks could be the first wide receiver off the board. 
So if you want that dude, you're not going to get him at 44. Burks is going to be gone at 44. So that suggests that maybe the old way of, listen, we're going to build this through the draft. We're really going to value the picks. When they made the deal for Watson, Fred, do you think that could have changed the whole philosophy and say, hey, listen, we're going to get rid of some of these draft picks and not, we are in, let's do whatever we need to do to acquire talent to win now mode. Yeah, I think so. I think they just flip-flop Mayfield for Watson for franchise quarterback. They were going to pay Mayfield or the or franchise quarterback the big money. You know, like if if Mayfield would have been like Josh Allen, I don't think anybody had any problem them giving him $43 million a year for five years. Well, that's what they've done. You forget the off-the-field stuff. As far as that's what they've done is flip-flop. Now – now you're trying to get as much as you can around him. And I think they're realizing, you know, we're not going to have the draft capital. And that's where I think they would load up some of them lower picks and try to to get a guy that can come in, you know, and play right now, whatever that is. And like you said, it's hard to believe what, what they're thinking, you know, with bringing in Burks. But – I think that they think it's the window is now Um, we need, you know, this and this and this, and let's go laser focus and try to get one of those guys, maybe one edge, one uh, wide receiver or an interior guy. You know, I think that they are focusing to try to come out of this with a playmaker, you know, in this draft, even if it's using all their capital to move up, you sure. know, and, and get one of them. So Fred, we got a few minutes left and I have one topic that I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, because we've talked about really the three biggest question marks on the roster, edge, interior, defensive line, wide receiver. Those are the three biggest question marks you have going into the season. And we've discussed about names in, 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 in free agency and trades and, and, and the draft. We got some answers to other positions this week and they don't get talked about a lot. But we got some special teams answers this week. There's a new punter coming to the Cleveland Browns uh, in uh, Bajorquez from Green Bay. Uh, so first of all, just kind of your thoughts. When you saw that they they pulled the trigger and brought in a new punter, what are your thoughts on Bajorquez? Well, I looked at his stats. You know, I think he led the NFL in gross punting in 2020. Um, last year's middle of the pack. Uh, he's left-footed, so that's similar to what you had with uh, Gillen. I think he's he's more consistent, has a bigger leg than Gillen. To be honest, I didn't know much about him. I remember him getting a punt blocked in the playoff game, kind of turned the 49ers around and won that playoff game. Um, but I think it's a good move. I'm kind of 50-50 on McLaughlin. I wanted, that was one of my six steps was to upgrade punter and kicker. I think they did it punter. Kicker, I'm not so sure. I know they were very high on McLaughlin last year. They pretty much decided he was going to beat out Cody Parkey, even though I thought Cody Parkey had a better uh, training camp because he's younger and so forth. He came out like a house of fire. I think he made his first (laughs) 10 or 12 field goals, and then it kind of fell apart. He got the yips. Um, They didn't tender him as a restricted free agent, so that kind of told me they're going to try to move on. But then they brought him back. They didn't bring him back at a lot of money. They do have another guy on the roster, Chris Blewett. Doesn't give me a lot of confidence when your kicker's name is Blewett. Um, 
but there was some free agents that were available that uh, had better uh, stats than McLaughlin, but most all of them re-signed with the team they were on, except Zerline. He went to the Jets. Um, So I'm kind of like, I like the punter improved. They're kind of status quo. They're counting on McLaughlin, I think, just getting better as he has now experienced. But I would not be surprised if Barry drafts a kicker. There it is. Um, so I was just going to bring that up, Fred. You, you, The punter's done. Bajorquez is your punter. Good. Move on. But the minute I saw that they signed uh, McLaughlin again, and, and when I saw what they signed him for, and when I saw the deal was, I went, well, that doesn't say to me, that's your kicker. That says to me, right. okay, well, he's coming into camp and we're going to let him compete for a kicking job. But I was just going to say that. So I'm gl- I'm so glad you brought it up. I definitely, I think you are a thousand percent right. I would not put it past them at all. When you hit a couple of those later rounds in the draft, there are some really good kickers coming out of college. It would not surprise me at all to see the Browns draft one. Yeah, I had last year four games that the kicking and punting significantly affected the outcome. Mm. You know, we all know the Chiefs game when Gillen dropped the punt, turned that game around, contributed to the loss. McLaughlin missed field goal, you know, took a lot of momentum in the Raiders game. Yes. And they lost by two points. And he missed one to open the game on a a momentum killing drive against the Ravens that they lost by a score. And then the other one, Nagar, he, but he isn't here anymore. But as far as you win that Raiders game, if that's the only one you go into the playoffs. So right. Right. They're, they're going to be in a lot of close games. All NFL games are close. You cannot let it go down the drain because you have a kicker that can't make a field goal. Now I don't know if, the ones in the draft are rated as high as McPherson was coming out of college. But if, if there's anybody close to that, I see that, Yep. you know, that's worth a fifth round pick or, or whatever, or higher. If, if you know, if you're sold, this is the guy, the biggest thing is just hard to, to know these guys temperament and personality. You know, it just seems like, remember the kid with Tampa Bay went all in drafted a guy yes. at the top of the draft and he couldn't make a field goal. He never really materialized. And, you know, so that, that happens a lot. The Browns do have another punter on the, somebody corrected me earlier. A guy named Charlton is on the roster. Yeah. They sign sometimes. So they do have two punters and two kickers right now, but I would not be surprised if they don't draft a kicker. I love it. Well, we got at least a couple answers. You know, McLaughlin will be competing for a spot, you know, Bahorquez, unless, for some reason, he's terrible in camp. He's going to be your punter. You've got some some answers officially. There's a lot of answers left. There's a few weeks left until the NFL draft. If you guys can even believe that, I cannot believe it. It feels like the draft was just here in Cleveland. The draft is in Vegas in a few weeks. It's not going to be nearly as cool as what it was in Cleveland. We all know that. Uh, but the draft is still uh, coming up in just a few weeks. And so I think a lot of these questions are going to get answered over the next couple of weeks, I think you're going to get a lot of things going on. <laughs> I love this from Niles Dog. Now I know how to pronounce the punter's name. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of answers to these questions on the defensive line at the wide receiver room before the draft happens. Uh, and there will be a little bit more of a clear picture, uh, I think, 
uh, by the time you hit the beginning of May, there will be a little bit more of a clear picture as to what these Cleveland Browns are going to look like as they head into the 2022 season. Uh, listen, that's going to do it for us. We are running out of time. Uh, Fred Greetham, man, uh, always the best. Always the best information. Uh, thank you for jumping on with us and uh, and giving all the insight that you have. It's been a blast. You guys are all going to get out of here. I'll probably just make Fred sit and talk with me for another hour about something else that I've come up with with the Browns. Uh, but thank you to everybody that subscribed to the OBR. Thank you to everybody that follow us. Uh, thank you to everybody that subscribes uh, and and uh, gets onto the website and reads all the articles that these guys put a ton of work into. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We couldn't do it without all of you guys, so we do appreciate you. Uh, but that's going to do it for OBR Weekly. Uh, again, if you're not following Fred, what the heck are you doing? Go follow Fred on Twitter. He's putting up stuff all the time. Make sure you do that. But Fred, it's been a great time. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your night, okay? Thanks, Mike. Did a great job. Enjoyed. Thank you for all the questions, comments. See you next week right here at OBR Weekly. That's going to do it. We'll Until next time, we'll see you later, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.